I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Thursday, November 14, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. The market continues to grind higher. Any selling whatsoever is immediately met with the buy the dip crowd. Fair enough. We have to go with what the market is telling us at present. We fall back to the market's bullish on the larger time frames, the larger or bigger picture. The trend is up. The moving averages are all trending higher. They're actually getting spacing in between the moving averages. That's actually a bullish sign, not a bearish sign. It's bullish because it means the trend is solidly in place. Again, we're extended from home base. Nothing's changed, but the market continues to grind higher. We're going to look at a myriad of charts. We're going to throw the ball around the horn. We'll talk about a couple of things that we generally don't talk about. What we're not going to do is we're not going to harp on the same things to repeat them day after day after day. The market is setting up for a larger move. The question is, is it upward or is it in the southern direction? During the day, intraday, we get a handle on which way the market's going, what it's going to do based on hourly closes above, a below, certain important numbers that are important numbers. When there are important pivots, for example, and the market trades around an important pivot, below the pivot, above the pivot, we know what's going on under normal garden variety market conditions. Right now, we really don't have normal garden variety market conditions. The trading volume is very, very light. It's very, very quiet. It's basically a chop shop. Market goes up a little bit, market goes down a little bit. It doesn't really go anywhere. Yet, at the end of the day, it continues to edge higher. It continues to make higher lows. We have to take notice of that. Higher lows are important. So we can just pick any spot. We have a low, we have a higher low, a higher low, a way higher low. Then we dip down, but here we go again with a higher low. So the trend or the theme is a series of higher lows. Here's the problem. The grind higher isn't necessarily a bullish pattern per se. Doesn't mean the market's not bullish, it is. But if we want to distinguish a bullish pattern from one that's just grinding higher, this is a distinction. A bullish pattern is typically one that goes sideways to even lower before resuming an uptrend. You see some of it on the daily chart, but to me, on the daily chart, it's more of a grind. You see it on other charts. We can certainly go down to, for example, a 60-minute chart, and you can see that it looks completely different because it's magnified, but here, the market is essentially buying time, eating time off the clock. It's pulling back. It's winding up to go higher. We do it again. It winds up to go higher. Do it again. It winds up. And here we go. We're grinding. We're grinding. We're not really going higher yet, but the theme is grinding higher. But here's what we have to watch out for. We have to watch out for the vacuum. The vacuum can occur either in the southern direction or in the northern direction. Either way, we talked about it every night. We might as well just touch on it again so that it's fresh in our minds. 
we're going to have a large move. There's likely going to be a vacuum. Part of the reason is because the volume has been so light, it's been so quiet, traders and investors are lulled into a false sense of security when volume floods into the market, whether it's on some kind of piece of news, a tweet, a China deal, a China deal falling apart on the other side. Either way, you're going to get a vacuum. You're going to large, fast, swift move, something that we haven't seen in quite some time. That, in my mind, is imminent. Now, I've said that for a few days, and obviously I look like a horse's ass. I get that, but I still believe the larger move is on the way. Let's quantify it. How large is large? Because it can mean different things to different people. I'm not really talking about a crash on the southern side. I'm talking about 30, 40, 50 S&P handles, but I'm talking about it very, very rapidly. And then what happens from there, we'll pick up the ball and see what it looks like. On the upside, same routine. 30, 40 handles, 25 handles on the upside. Something that busts through the big fat round number of 3,100 we've been discussing, and then it makes traders believe it's just going to keep going. So it's got to go long and far enough to make traders believe they have to hop on board. They can't miss the train. Just when they hop on board, that's generally when we see the reversal. And that's kind of the schematic that I'm looking at. Might as well bring this up also. The email indicators at it again. There's a lot of shorts out there. There's no question about it. They're frustrated. They're pissed off. According to them, the market has no business going higher. It has no business being up here. Now, if this was an exercise in mathematics and logic, they would be 100% right. But it's not. It's an exercise in markets, and markets are driven by emotion. We're at new highs. We don't know exactly where the next ultimate or temporary high will be. What we do have on our side is the market. The market will tell us. It will reverse intraday. It will reverse in the middle of the night. Something will happen where the market will make it abundantly clear that it's over, at least for the foreseeable future. We'll pick up on that. We'll hop on board. Like I always say, we don't have to be the first guest at the party what we do have to do is be at the party while everybody's having fun what we want is if we're going to be short the market after we believe it's made a high we need something to trade against we don't have anything like that here what we have is from a couple of days ago the high that was put in that's fine however the market remains in an uptrend it remains grinding higher and the volume remains light and the market hasn't indicated intraday or daily at all that it's finished going higher. So we just have to take the market at face value. We have the duck conversation with each other. If it walks like a duck, it talks like a duck. It's generally a duck. When it's not a duck, we'll know it's not a duck. How will we know? Because it will look like something different. When it looks the same every day, it's still a duck. Here's what I mean. We're back to the hourly chart. It looks the same every day. Not necessarily every single day, but when you constantly see the market rescued from these little dips, right? And they're just little dips. They're a dollar in the SPY, maybe a dollar and a half from the highs. They're not really getting anywhere. The market continuously is rescued. Who's rescuing the market? Here's where the email indicator comes in again. 
It's a conspiracy theory. The Fed is propping up the market. The Fed is buying up the market. That's what they want to believe. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. We don't have any evidence of that. What we do have is evidence that the Fed is conducting their repo operations. You know, the ones that were only going to last a few days or a couple of weeks. The ones that we said would never end. Where is Repo Man? He'll come back around. That will matter when it matters. Right now, the market is so quiet, it's just grinding higher. We don't really care what the reason is. We don't care if there's any conspiracy theories. We don't care who's buying the market. By the way, it doesn't have to be the Fed. Think in terms of sovereign wealth funds. They're all over the place. What's a sovereign wealth fund? It's basically a big hedge fund that's run by a government. That's it. They have money, and they invest the money around the world. They could invest in anything. Businesses, buildings, other countries, stocks, bonds, commodities, precious metals, everything, anything they want. Mark my words, there are sovereign wealth funds that buy the stock market every single day, no matter what. Doesn't mean they do or can prop up the stock market, They're not necessarily buying it with billions and billions every day, but they do buy the market. They do buy a basket of stocks every single day. Doesn't mean there won't be a vacuum to the downside. One thing has nothing to do with the other. I'm just bringing it up for conversation purposes. When the market's as quiet as it is, you need some filler. I mean, I don't really have a point of reference, but certainly this has to be somewhere like a close second to waterboarding in terms of the pain, in terms of the torture that the market is inflicting on traders by doing nothing, by chopping around in a chop shop formation. It's my contention that we're going to wake up one day to a big gap down, big gap up. It's going to be soon. They're going to do it in the middle of the night while nobody's watching. And then what happens? They leave traders scrambling to catch a piece of the action. Here's a 120-minute chart. A little short hop, throwing the ball around the horn. Anything bearish on this chart? They keep bouncing off the 20-period moving average. We're riding the 20-period moving average. It's been a long ride. It's a while since the market closed below the 20-period moving average. And even when it did, it rebounded right back. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Kind of interesting today. Here's what I see, right? We look at the first thing that jumps off the page when we pull up a chart. That's generally the thing, right? It's our gut feeling. It's generally the thing that winds up to be most meaningful. So here's what we've got. We've got a low from yesterday. We've got time on our side. If you don't know what I'm talking about, reference the course Lazy E-Mini Trader. It's the most important thing that you can know. So against yesterday's low, it's okay. A bullish trader can be long against yesterday's low in the IWM. Here's the deal. What did they do today? They ran up and filled a gap and fell right back away, had a poor close. Is that bullish or bearish? It's a rhetorical question. We know that it's not bullish. Now, again, that doesn't mean the market's not bullish or bearish. It's just that particular situation. It's just that set of circumstances, the fact of running up, filling the gap, falling back away, and not closing good but closing poorly, that's not bullish. Now, that being said, look where we are. We're above all the moving averages. We're in an uptrend. We're fighting to stay above these previous highs. Here's another thing. Looking at both sides of the tape, right? We want to play umpire, so we want to be fair. Yesterday, we discussed this 
channel, right? So we had this channel that the IWM was trading in. It's a hypothetical channel. It's not to the penny. It's a channel. Yesterday, we dipped below the channel and we fought back. At least my contention yesterday was the IWM fought back to close inside that channel. Today, we were well back inside that channel, but what did we do? Filled the gap and went right back down to the bottom portion of the channel. It's interesting. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Now, here's something else. So inside the numbers, members were told this afternoon, at least from my point of view, my contention was that the IWM, from a shorter term perspective, was in a bearish formation. Where am I getting that from? Well, let's start to go down from chart to chart to chart and see where that comes from. Do we see anything bearish on the 240-minute chart? Not really. Looks pretty bullish to me. Again, we can make a case about that channel over here that we're below or dipping below the channel. However, I can also make this case that this is a flag, this is a bull flag, and this is going higher. And if it doesn't go higher and it fails, it'll come all the way back down here probably and then some. But that's what I see when I bring up the 240-minute chart. Now, when I go down to 120-minute chart and the time gets compressed a little bit, I don't really see the same thing. I can see the same thing, but I begin to see other things. So I see what we just saw. That's obvious. It's the same thing. It's the same chart. It's just a different time frame. But I also begin to see the fact that we're pinched in these moving averages. So we're going to break above or below these moving averages. I can't help but notice that. Back to the 240-minute chart, we're below the 20-period moving average. Now, it's debatable. I could do this. I could do two things, which is why it makes it tough. I could say we had this up move, and as long as we're inside or above the low of this breakup candle, then this is really just eating time off the clock, ready to go higher once again. I could certainly do that. However, I could also do the opposite and I could say we had a gap lower and we're just consolidating in a bear flag ready to go lower once again. So when I can do both, you can't do anything, at least with that chart. So we just move on. The 60-minute chart. So now the 60, I'm below the 50 and the 20-period moving average sandwiched above the 100-period moving average we're riding the 100-period moving average. Now, at this point, because we're riding it, it's not really important anymore. But here's what I can tell you from an hourly chart perspective. You close below the low of this breakup candle, you'll also be below the 100-period moving average, and guess what? You'll likely come down lower. See how you get a different read based on different charts? That's why we look around the horn. We look at a lot of different charts, and when you start to see the same thing appear on many different charts, that's confirmation. That's back to the duck conversation. It's the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, it just is what it is. It's going to be what it looks like. When it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's a freaking duck. What about picking a time frame out of the blue, a 20-minute chart? We never look at 20-minute charts. I hardly ever look at a 20-minute chart. But here it is. Does it look bearish or bullish? It's below the moving averages. We had a pretty big breakdown candle. We're going sideways below the moving averages. It's not bullish. So this is what I meant by when you go down to the shorter time frames, the IWM begins to look bearish or more bearish than it does bullish. What does that mean? From an umpire's perspective, what does that mean if, in fact, the IWM is bearish? If it falls unexpectedly, if we have the vacuum, where's that spot? Where do I like the IWM? 
Where does this trader become a buyer of the IWM? Somewhere down in this neck of the wood. Call it 156, give or take, for argument's sake. What if that's wrong? I'll buy it again at 154. What does that mean? That means I would be willing to step into the market in the IWM around 156 with about half of a position. If it goes up from there, I have half a position. If it goes down from there, I'm going to have a full position at 154. What about the VIX? We haven't talked about the VIX in a while. It's not going anywhere. It's bearish, but we know the VIX. The VIX can explode higher up to 14 or 15 in no time. But if you're just looking at the chart, this is what you see. You see a big down move, and you see a pretty big bear flag pattern. It's a little bit choppy. It's not exactly as I drew it, but you get the point. Could you collect the VIX in the 12 neighborhood, 12 and a half, 12, below 12? Yeah, you can collect the VIX in that neighborhood, but you need time on your side. You know the story. When it feels really, really wrong, it's generally right. When it feels really, really right, it's generally not. What's doing down at the transportation department? So this is an interesting one also. The transports, my second favorite market leading indicator, they're not doing the same thing that anything else is doing. They're doing their own thing. They came down to the 20-period moving average. They came down to the breakup candle low. They're bouncing off. They put in a big tail candle several days ago. We discussed it. They came down. They did exactly what they were supposed to do if you believe anything that I've been saying for any period of time. They always have been my favorite canary in the coal mine. If you've been around for any length of time, you know I've said that hundreds of times. What happens if this breakup candle low holds? What happens if time is on our side? Then the move, the bigger move that we've been discussing is going to be higher. That's just simply stacking one thing on top of another, on top of another, and saying, as long as the transports stay above that breakup candle low, they're good, the market's good, nothing's going to happen other than higher to sideways. That's it. What if they go south? What if they come down below that price? Well, here's the other thing. You have a gap right there. So do they stop at the gap or not? Well, we don't know, but that's the setup. That's what's going on. I'm counting on if you're a bull. It's not that I'm counting on it. I'm just saying for the bull case, I'm counting on the breakup candle low holding in the transports, period, full stop. Q's, Silicon Valley, overweighted index. Anything going on here? No, nothing changed. Same routine, Moving along. XLF, one of my favorite market-leading indicators also. Why? Because without the financials, if they're melting away or if they're rallying, without the financials, it's unlikely you're going to see the market doing anything whatsoever. What did we do here? Very similar to the transports. Came down to test the low of this last breakup candle, and here we are. So as long as we're above this general area, they're okay. You have a rising 20-period moving average, rising other averages, it's bullish, it's in an uptrend, we will have a correction, but right now it's a duck. And I know what some of you want to do with the duck. Semiconductor space, the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, this is the SMH, and there's only one thing going on. It's either going to happen or it's not. Right now, this is just eating time off the clock in a bull flag formation. I know I've said this a hundred times, but here we are, 101. So it's either going to do what it's supposed to do or it's going to fall apart. One or the other is going to take place sooner than later. How about gold? We still have several Inside the Numbers members long from Tuesday in gold. Nice trade 
Profits have been put in the pocket. The rest is a free ride. What's the target? Well, the target is the high of the breakdown candle or somewhere near there, but it's not going to give it to you all in one shot. It's going to drive you nuts for a while first. We have a stop in the money. Traders should have a stop in the money. Whether it's a hard stop or a mental stop, it's in the money. Like I said, this is a free ride. I know there's a lot of traders out there interested in the pot stocks. Canopy got taken out behind the woodshed today based on their earnings report. I don't know what they said, but whatever they said, the market thought it was horseshit. It's a busted chart. It will repair itself. Maybe it's putting in a bottom. Maybe it's not. Now, at this point, you have to wait for a bottom to be put in. You need a clear signal for a bottom. You really don't have one just yet. You certainly had the type of volume today that could be capitulation volume, but you need more time. You need it to really show something before you're ready to hop on board. But here's the deal. What's the 1557? Where did it come from? And how come I didn't tell anybody about it? I really didn't have much interest in Canopy today because it's such a broken stock. The only thing I was interested would have been around 15 or less. But where does 1557 come from? comes right out of the course at Lazy Gap Trader. If you've taken that course, you can look at a chart of Canopy and you can come up with the same 1557. If you haven't taken the course, you may or may not come up with 1557. In fact, it's in both courses, by the way. And that's going to be about everything that I wanted to and intended to discuss tonight, so I will pull the ripcord here. But first, I want to thank each and every one of you. I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My strategic forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is Common Sense Market Analysis.